tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hello, and welcome to Under the Dome for episode nine. Is episode nine, right? I think so. Uh, plan B. I am your host, Jackie Borowski, and with me is Amanda Fields Bennett. Yes, and we are so excited to talk about this episode. I'm so excited because the, the writers seem to have learned this season, as opposed to last season, they seem to have learned what good writing entails. And um, it, this episode in particular, I know you said it, Amanda, this was like my favorite episode of Under the Dome. This is probably the single best episode of Under the Dome to date. Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. And I think it has to do with the fact that um, there we have build up and then some resolution, but enough of uh, enough loose ends that we know that we're going to still we still have calamities to come. Conversations but, involving things from like the first couple of episodes, even yes. tying back in. We're tying th- this whole season has been about trying mm-hmm. to tie back in uh, almost all of the loose ends from season two, um, if you can tie those in, which is a huge thing to tackle, and they've done a really great job. Right, and then uh, they've tried to. Here in this in this episode, we see specifically. I mean, I I think that we had this problem last season with the episode of the week, which is just boring because you're like, oh, here's the thing they're going to get over disaster it. disaster of the, the week. Yeah, yeah, here's the thing they're going to get over it. Now we've set up this um, epic overall arching storyline, but we also have. Not quick payoff in this episode, which I think is important to keep to keep viewers watching. You don't want to keep being like, "I solved a puzzle today, and I solved another puzzle today." <laughs> Woohoo! Woohoo! And yes, there was something solved at the end, but we still have so many loose ends happening that we know that it makes next week. Yeah, exciting it makes next again. week exciting yep. again. It's not just oh, I solved a problem. Well, I wonder what will happen next week. Gosh darn it. Gosh darn it. Um, <laughs> Gee so, willikers. So let's dig right into Plan B, starting off with the very aptly named episode title, Plan B. Um, I know Plan B refers to the concept that we had tried for Plan A, but now we're going for Plan B, which we have our characters at the end of this episode stuck in a conundrum where uh, they had planned this whole, like, secretive staying in Lester Coggins' funeral home, and they were Lester setting Lester Coggins? Or Reverend Coggins. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I almost forgot about him. Yes, Reverend Coggins' funeral home, and uh, that plan was eliminated when the whole when Sam infiltrated them and the whole town came in. So now, at the end of the episode, we find these characters having to go to whatever plan B they have if they have one. But I also found it interesting in the light of the fact that there's a pregnancy in this episode, and they are trying to kill the baby. 
Trying to kill the baby? Uh, yes. They're trying to kill Ava's baby. Who's trying? Uh, our heroes. Oh, yes. Well... Because don't, they don't want the new queen to come in? Well, I know, but are they, how... I don't know if they're how they're going to go about that, because I know that they... I know that they want to not have the baby be born, but will they kill Ava at any cost to prevent the baby from being born? I would assume so. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying that that's what I would do, but I'm just saying I... That's what the characters would do. Thought that's what the characters would do. Okay, okay. Well, pardon me, I am a little shaken up because that episode, like, took me through so many emotions... I literally said out loud, my heart is breaking. Like, I I was crying. I, like, I literally... I, I, um, I am a little bit lost for words. So, I'll, I'll go through the episode as best I can. But it was so good that I'm a little bit speechless. And as you guys know, we do these recaps literally right after watching the show. So... You're getting our raw, real emotion. You're getting emotion. our raw, real emotion, which is also <laughs> piggybacked on the raw, real emotion of the fact that there's some sort of flying cockroach bug in the studio before this happened. And then Amanda and I were screaming and running and knocking things over because <laughs> we were afraid of the giant, huge cockroach bug. So that was coupled with the emotion. Coupled with the emotion of the episode. Of Jarby. Of Jarby. We are all kind. We are all on <laughs> all kinds of like, holy crap, what's going on? So let's yeah. talk about... Um, okay. One of my favorite characters, Nori. It seems yes. that Nori and Joe continuously get themselves into this these situations where they are surrounded by the kinship. I feel bad for these kids because they're always either on their own going out on tasks or being sent on tasks that always involve them being captured by the kinship. The kinship really want these kids. It's almost like the... Dome mm-hmm. has chosen Joe and Nori to be tested again and again. And what will they do in these situations? And can they pass these tests? And I don't know where that's leading to, but I kind of like that they have to fight the whole kinship together. And, oh, I just thought of something that I have to add later. Oh, just, later. Yeah, I'm okay. sorry. Uh, yeah, I have to add it later <laughs> with the predictions. I'm sorry. Um, I like in the in the intro here, we have Nori come of, coming off of her uh, second mother's death, so Carolyn's death. Yeah. Um, I was so bummed out. I know I wasn't here last week, but I was so bummed out by Carolyn's death because she's one of my favorite characters. Um, she's one of the most reasonable characters under the dome. She's one of the most sensible characters under the dome, and now she's gone. And, and that's I, why it was so hard to to see her go to the kinship at yes! first, and how she like talked to her daughter like basically like she didn't care about her. Right. That it was, was awful. I was like, horrible. Carolyn, you're too smart for this. Yes. Um, but we know it's not about intelligence. It's about being uh, hurt and having emotions. So, uh, in no duh news, Julia <laughs> no duh news and no duh news. Julia says she's taking Carolyn's death pretty hard. Um, or Julia didn't say that. Big Jim said that. Yeah, and then I Julia did. said we all are or something like that. And then she leaves the room, and it's like duh, she's an orphan now. Her yeah. first mom died, and now her second mom died, all in the span and of three weeks under this crazy dome. And her dad is somewhere out there in the world, and she thought the world was ended. Yes. So she thought, I have no one at, at first, and then now she's like, oh, there's a world still. But I don't. they haven't really addressed the people on the outside of the dome in a while. 
like the right. rest of the world. Like they also have an address like to what level this mirage outside the dome was happening because we had that family, that group of the family people running towards the dome and look, looking like they were being burned. Well, we know that the apocalypse was not happening outside the dome, so the dome... It was an illusion. Like, the illusions outside the dome must be pretty high-tech. High-techy-techy <laughs> illusions. Yeah, hello, Acteon. I Hi, think fancy, that was from Acteon. Fancy magic. Um, I do you think, think it's from Axion, or do you think it's from uh, the aliens Pine trying people? to manipulate the people? I think, somehow I think Axion and the alien people are connected. I do think they're connected for sure. Uh, we just need to know how, and now we and know why. that the head of Axion is a puppet of the government, so what level is the government involved? Oh, yeah. Who in Axion is trustworthy, Hector who is not? Hector Martin. Yes. Which makes me wonder, um, I actually don't know if it's the same actor, but there was that one point where Jim goes to negotiate with a man from Acteon about letting him and Junior out of the dome last season. And I thought this was I thought this was the same actor or they're trying to make it the same guy. I don't know if that would let me know if you think that's the same actor, the one who was speaking with Big Jim to negotiate to get Junior outside the dome. Okay. Yeah, that would be interesting if they're bringing him back. Yeah, because... It was such I, a quick flash of his face that I didn't get to see. Right, yeah. because for we thought that Barbie's dad um, was the head of Acteon, but maybe maybe there was this guy was like masquerading as a lower-level member of Acteon while, at like, for some other reason. I can't even think of a good reason as to why he would be doing that. Because they didn't want anyone to know about Acteon? And they had him pretending to be a different position in government. Maybe. Yeah, but Barbie and Barbie's dad could have pretended that too. I don't know. <sighs> These are the things that will be revealed. Yes, <laughs> and but, this time we actually can believe that they will be revealed. So, Speaking of which, this season has been re- this um, series has been renewed for season four. Yeah, so you're going to get a season four of Under the Dome. We are very excited that it's been renewed for a fourth season, but we just don't know how that's going to even be plausible, right? With like what? the episodes, like what, what happens? What happens when you defeat the kinship? Which I'm assuming you're going to have to do this season, <sighs> please, because they're being so exhausting. Ugh. What happens next? I vote for the dome coming down and going up over a different city, and it's like under the dome in Seattle. Seattle Dome. Seattle Dome. Sounds like a football game. <laughs> but, um, no, I don't know. That would be interesting, actually. Um, it would also be interesting to have the fourth season almost be like a pseudo spinoff, where it focuses more on either the people that are outside the Dome seeing it all go down and what their life is like and what they know. And it's kind of almost like answering all of our questions of, what was it like for the rest of the world? Mm-hmm. What was it like with the government? What was it like with the reports on the news on TV? Like, what did everyone know? I'm very curious about that. Um, but speaking of being curious, Joe and Nori start looking at the schematic again. Yes. And they're trying the to schematic, figure... schematic, which I thought was a part of a Pretty Pretty Princess game, but was not. <laughs> and it it's is all... actually a, a replica of the Amethyst in the Tunnel. Who knew? Yeah, in the tunnel, or we're not sure. Uh, they That's their idea of what it should be. But also, I think that the schematic, it, it's in a circle for a reason, because it's probably the, uh, out, basically the border of the dome. Mm-hmm. So I think it goes around the border. That makes sense. And then, like, you know, they're looking at the middle being, like, a sound wave, 
or many sound waves. And um, so Joe and Nori are trying to figure out, like, is it a thing, is it like an energy that will bring down the dome? Or is it like a beacon? Like, kinship phone home. <laughs> but they decide, they go they go to the library because um, Big Jim convinces them that since they are no longer... Um, since they are no longer sponsored by the Microsoft Pad, that they should go. <laughs> that they should go, go to the library. To the library and use normal books. Mm. And they have this cute scene where they're picking up um, cleverly named Soundwave books. Yeah. Uh, and then we have members of the kinship attempt to attack them. <sighs> the, t- the truth hurts. H e r t. Yes. He's like, even if it's a lame title, it still could have some really good information for us. Yeah. So uh, that was interesting. And, and then, yeah, the kinship was just like, oh, by the way, we're in the library, too. Bam. So Sam conveniently shows up and just uh, dis- dis- saves the day, saves we Saves the think. day and pretends to be... Um, Two-faced Uncle Sam. Right. He He pretends to be still part of our, our renegade hero group, which was... Um, I actually, for some reason, the resistance. I don't, I don't. Yeah, the resistance. I don't know if I'm gullible or not, but I actually did believe that Sam was okay. I did too because of the way he was speaking to them. I know, and I also think like Sam kind of has this deadpan asshat voice. So, what? Yeah. What is an asshat voice? What does that mean? Like. He kind of has kind of like a jerky way of speaking. Oh. So since he was just using his normal voice and the kinship seems to have this whole like whistling slash dreamy thing going on. Like uh, looking off into the space and like. Yeah. Maybe he, I guess maybe he has, we know there are certain members of the kinship who still retain their, um, their own personalities and that's Christine, Ava, Junior, um, they still retain a level of autonomy from the group, and I think maybe Sam has this because I was I was wondering why I was like if he's part of the kinship he'll talk dreamy and he'll start whistling or something or give us a clue. So I really did think he was part of the kinship, but uh, and at first he t- or not he, part of the kinship. He told Joe and Nora he said, "Oh, they gave me a blood transfusion, but I'm okay." Like, it, it was no I'm big okay. deal. Get in the Prius. Yeah. <laughs> to the Prius. To the Prius. Get out of here. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a, one of my little favorite things in every episode. Like, where's the Prius going to be? Um, I also like that Julia trusts Joe driving her Prius around, whereas Joe probably learned to drive about 2.5 seconds ago. Yeah, it's just like, here you go. I'm sorry, Take Joe. Just because you learn how to drive in the alternate dreamyality reality doesn't mean you know how to drive here. Dreamyality. Dreamyality. I think that needs to be a word. Yes. Hashtag dreamyality. Dreamyality. Hashtag dreamyality. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but but we were watching this with Stephen Lemieux's mom, who was yes. like, who was like, Sam is infiltrating them, and I was like, no, he's not. No, he's not. She knew what was. She was up. right. She was right. She's way ahead of us. Yeah, she was way I ahead mean, of us. Kudos to her. Kudos Hello. to her. Oh, so. By the way, again tonight, Big Jim with the one-liners and the zingers, just boom, so many funny lines. <laughs> like he, goes I really on the- feel like Dean Norris was like, if you want to keep me on the show, you have to write me good lines. Yeah, and so he, um, I know we're going to be jumping around talking about this episode, but that's just the nature of Under the Dome. We have to jump around the dome. <laughs> ha ha. So, Big Jim has the walkie-talkie, and he's trying to talk to Julia, and he's like, 
John to Yoko. <laughs> and then we all laughed. And he also, <laughs> he reported on the situation, like he's coming back into the resistance, like their little um, home base, and he's like, well, the bees are back in Christine's bonnet. <laughs> it's it's interesting, though, because we have, I don't know, for those of you who have read Ender's Game, um, there's a there's now a parallel to me to this alien race and the alien race that's in Ender's Game. Where we I have, have not read Ender's Game. Um, Is it also a Stephen King book? No, it's no. not. It's in, like, an old-ish, not that old, old-ish, maybe 90s sci-fi um, series. Oh. But the, the okay. aliens in... Wait, don't spoil it for me. I'm not spoiling it. I'm just okay. saying that you, I mean, you pretty much get this from reading it that the aliens have a hive mind. Okay, uh, okay, um, okay. And that's not, I will read it. Yeah, that's not the spoiler, but okay. uh, that's not a spoiler. But the aliens have a hive mind in in that um, novel. I've only read Ender's Game. I have not read the other one, so I don't know how it changes throughout the rest of the books yet. But um, the aliens have a hive mind, and they have a queen, and they, it's basically like ants when you think about it, but just on a large scale, like human size. You no, know, that reminds me, there was an earlier episode where Joe and Nori were talking about the kinship. Yeah. And Joe said to Nori, they're following each other like ants. Mm-hmm. Connecting the dots. And I I feel like this is this is kind of a parallel to that where in Ender's Game when the the queen has to teach the new queen and then the old queen dies when the new queen comes in. Oh, so Christine is the queen right now, and that's why her body is just and falling that, apart. And she's and, like, not now, I'm not ready! And that's why she's recorded all of this data to give to the unborn, the baby. unborn baby, so that she can pass all of her teachings along if she dies early. This a little bit reminds me of Twilight when Bella got pregnant, and then the vampire baby would be born pretty fast. It doesn't take like nine months in the womb. Yes, I, that is definitely happen, happening here. Yeah, that's like, definitely. But happening then, here. like, then the va- vamp- vampire human hybrid baby was okay. She didn't have to go hunting with like humans. But then it's like, oh well, this alien baby is definitely going to go hunting for humans. Yes, uh, we have twelve that... creepy women. Yes, we have this scene where. Um, Christine asked Junior to bring 12 women. She tells Junior first that uh, Junior thought that Christine was his mate. She's not his mate. She's like, I see you mating with tons of people. Which, um, this Junior sleeping with, like, all kinds of, like, random people is just creepy. Disturbing. It's I'm just sorry. creepy. I mean... And I love how they, I love how they indicate the sex scene by both of them putting on a belt and, like, zipping up their pants. I'm like... <laughs> Because I don't know if either of them were really comfortable with. That no, much. but it's not even. It's such a difference. Like it's, they, and it's CBS, so they can't show that. Much. It's just so I know, but it's just so. Like it's so awkward because they're entirely fully clothed and they're like, "I'm putting on my belt. This is to indicate that we had sex." Oh yeah, and my though, hair is tousled around. Even though in previous scenes we have had them like literally on top of each other. Not that I want to see that anymore, but it was just awkward. I feel that their scenes are awkward. I'm just going to say it right now. It's out. probably because they feel awkward in real life doing them. Um, I don't know if Mark Helgenberger feels awkward. Oh. Yeah, she probably doesn't. She probably doesn't. She's great, by the way. I mean, she's so compelling as Christine. 
I mean, I really feel like she's this crazy leader woman. She's believably creepy. Yes. Believably creepy. Yeah. So she tells him that uh, he's going to sleep with a bunch of people. He is like, I want to take my pick. Um, <laughs> typical, that was a good boy. <laughs> typical junior fashion. Um, but he want, he obviously wants to pick some girl he had a crush on in high school. And she's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Give me 12 women. So we find out that... that he, I think he thinks he's picking women for himself. Right. That's what we thought. We were like, yeah. okay, well, if he has multiple, like, partners or whatever. Like, so then, I wanted that girl from high school. She was a junior when I was a senior, and I want to put her in my little fallout shelter. Okay, Junior. <laughs> That's my horrible impression. Oh my god. I do um, like I do like that uh, speaking of the fallout shelter, I do like that they're using old locations. Like I was happy to see Reverend Coggins' funeral home and uh and the, the cabin. cabin! Um, the log cabin we keep talking about it. I we know. think they're never gonna bring it back and then they bring it back. I know, I'm so excited. We'll get to that part though. Let me let's let's get to finish the part where we have um, Yeah, sorry, we have lots of parts. We, yeah, we we have Ava at some point in this crazy story, a- <laughs> Christine tells Ava she's pregnant after having sex with Julia or having sex with <laughs> Julia. Oh my god, it's sex- late here. After having sex with, with um, Barbie, Barbie like yesterday, and, and there's she has this little glowing amethyst that did it come out of her stomach? It looks like she I pulled guess. it out of her stomach. I guess. And she's it like, was, she's like, <gasps> she's time. like pooping amethyst. <laughs> Oh no. She was excreting amethyst. And it's like glowing and blinking light, and then it's like, you're pregnant. And she's like, what? And and then Barbie comes in, and of course, Barbie's ecstatic to hear this news, whereas most people would be like, "Uh, we just had sex yesterday. How do you know that? Don't you want to pee on a stick first? Right? (laughs) Come, come now. Well, this is not a normal pregnancy, so I don't even know if that would work. Right? You pee on a stick. It doesn't say pregnant. It just says alien. Oh, but she did that in an earlier episode. She tested she it out. Did. She did. She did test it out. Mm. Um, so, so Barbie's ecstatic. Yay. He's having an alien he baby. He thinks this is good news. He does him. think this is good news. And so, uh, Christine manages to grab a midwife and then they go to... <laughs> grab... Which she was in an earlier season. This midwife woman, she actually had the dome, dome baby... baby. Um, which, of course, all throughout this whole entire show, we have seen the similarity of dome, pregnancy, womb, belly, woman, leader. Like, it's all kind of, like, very um, female, this dome. Yeah, it is a little disappointing, though, to see a matriarchy that is, in a sense, seems to be so damaging to society, which, on the other hand, it's a good thing that we have someone characters like Julia and like Nori that so it shows that women are combating this type of matriarchy not just it's not just like matriarchy is evil it's just like hive mind is not a good idea for humans but um oh you're saying that we have good female dynamics and that there are different opinions yes of women characters yes and uh amazing that there's so many like interesting women characters on the show by the way there are and that's part of the reason I can't speak properly, but that's okay. Part of the reason why I love the show. Yes. It's late at night here. Yeah. This is why why sometimes we have problems talking. Yeah. Um, But don't mind us. We're still going to fight through it for you guys. We are. We're excited. So, 
Christine brings Ava and the midwife to a barn full of virginal women. I'm just saying virginal because they, they're dressed in white. They're dressed in white and they're holding candles and there are hooks from the ceiling. Which was the most disturbing part of I this entire even, scene? I didn't even see that. Yeah, part. I was like, "Oh no, maybe the this is like a meat locker or something, and the hooks are supposed to be there." But generally, this reads as creepy to me. Well, I think that baby's just going to feed on all those women. Yeah, it's going to eat them. So, I mean, that's to get strength, and then that's the major question: is like, what is going to happen with? Uh, with this birth, and, like, is and the baby going to eat the Christine's women? Christine's like, nobody comes out. It's like, well, what about the queen? Doesn't she come out? Like, Yeah. Hello. So that's one of our big loose end plot points. We have this um, queen birth. And I'm, I'm already yeah. imagining there being this Imminent. new character, like, queen person. Like, who is that going to be? I really hope it, like, comes out as a full-grown, like, person. Oh, yeah, like, oh, I just grew really fast. <laughs> because Ava even says, because she has this altercation with Big Jim, where she's, like, <laughs> it's almost comical because she's, like, tackling him. Yeah. coming down from, like, the sky, like, ah! That like, was a really great fight scene because uh, she suddenly gained all these powers from the pregnancy. Like, I don't know what's going on, Christine, but I have all this power now. I'm so strong. I'm so... Oh, feisty! I can fight anybody. I have all this energy, and she's like, "It's the baby." <laughs> I have baby power, <laughs> baby brain, baby brain. Oh my god, here she comes! Uh, so and so in our other loose end that uh, we're, we're we're like trying so hard to keep the best part till the end. Yes, oh but, yes. Oh my god, Barbie and Julia. This whole episode was just so incredible because. Well, Julia and Big Jim get this chance to take Barbie into the log cabin Mm -hmm. and sit him in a chair and tie him up. They're trying to get him to become his real, true self again. Right. And he's in deep with these pod people. Like, he's in that kinship. He's happy. He thinks he's happy to be there. He thinks he's in love with Ava. He's literally bonded with the kinship. He is literally bonded with the like kinship. literally, physically, emotionally, yes. spiritually, just everything. Yes. He thinks he's he. And the and the the craziest thing is, all the people in the kinship think that they're like truly like oh, a better person for it, and they're uh, not a person really anymore. It's like they're right. A shell they're of part a of they're part of a hive mind. Mm-hmm. So it's that it. It's almost like everyone shares, if you're part of, I mean, if I'm going with the Ender's Game kind of parallel, it's almost as if everyone kind of, like, shares the same mind, and it's the sense that if the community does well, we do well, and if, like, one of us um, succeeds, succeeds, we all succeed, which... And by the way, I'm sorry, I have to say, every time we start talking about bees in a hive, I'm like, look at our microphones. I know that's random, but if you're just listening to this, oh no! Ah! Oh okay, so okay, the giant, okay. the giant okay. cockroach is back. Oh my god! Okay, okay, I have to go. I'm coming back. Just kill it first. I kill think it's gone. It. Is it gone? Yeah. There's okay. uh, the giant cockroach, flying cockroach situation is back. Um, oh no! The next loose end that we have to tie up. Where is it? Is it still there? I'll switch seas with you if it's that. Much of a thing. Oh my god. 
How long has it been there? I don't know. Okay. Well, I wish I could say I was more brave than this, but I'm not. <laughs> I am not. Um, wow, that was embarrassing. And there's like a dead bug on the floor. No, it's that bug is still dying. It's that big bug. Dying. Oh, dear God. Okay. Well, I am not. I I've am got not, my eye on it. I've I'm not outdoorsy at all. Uh, I tried to be in the Girl Scouts for a few years. That didn't go so well. Um, I enjoyed the cookies. I enjoyed the I think the Girl Scouts are amazing. I just wasn't a good camper. This bug is, like, comically large. I can't even, I'm like... I'm sorry. I can't, like... We can't explain We can't it even explain you. it. Everyone who has encountered this bug tonight has been like, you guys are such wimps. And then they come in and they see the bug and they're like, holy fuck. Men it and is women. Giant. It is, like, the size of my hand. And I'm stuck right here like next to it. It looks like something out of Men in Black. No, it's back down behind the wall. The aliens I, I are coming back to get back us for talking the wall. bad about them. So, um, Barbie oh God. and Julia. Barbie and Julia in this uh, show <sighs> is the biggest is the biggest plot line because we've had them apart. There are there are main there are main okay, romantic It's really exciting. Couple. More exciting than that stupid bug. Um, because okay. This is Nori tells Julia earlier in the episode, if you have a chance to get the real Barbie to come back. Do it. Because Julia and Nori are having a heart-to-heart about Nori losing her second mother. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she feels so alone. And when her when her mom first died, it was really hard, and she dealt with that. Mm-hmm. And she explained how that was challenging for her. And then, with Carolyn dying... Are you, do you see the bug again? No, it's completely oh my God. gone. It's okay. completely gone. I've got this my show, eye out for you. you guys, I've got my eye out for this you. This show okay. has gone to the dogs. I'm sorry. Whoo! Or whatever. It's Yeah. But I'm trying to focus. So, so Nori, Nori, Nori and Julia start talking. And Julia says, if you need anything, you can come to me. Right. And she says, well, if you have a chance to get the real Barbie back, do it. No matter what. So because they, they know having Barbie on their side is going to be a huge asset because it has been in the past. Whenever Barbie's been there to help the town, it's been a huge asset. And it's so interesting because we have this dynamic where we have um Julia and Big Jim working together and Big Jim is like sort of the hero anti-hero now. Um and Julia working together against Barbie and we have but this, also for Barbie. But also for Barbie. We have this weird power They're play. They're fighting for where, his true self. Where Big Jim is like, yeah, if you can get him, that's great. But if not, I'm really just going to kill him. So Julia has to kind of fight Big Jim and to like, say... he's like, that's my plan B. Yeah, to say, okay, let's... Give me some more time. Give me some more time. I just realized the title of the episode, Plan B, and also Bees. Yes. Beehive. Like plan Beehive. Yeah. Oh. Bees also have queens. Queen Bee. Hey, Queen Bee Beyonce. I'm sorry. All right. So they get the chance to get Dale Barbara in their clutches because he and Ava have this plan to get Julia. But, of course, it's foiled um, by Julia and Big Jim because Barbie is, like, on the walkie-talkie with Julia again. He's like, hey, let's meet up. I'm, this is so crazy. I know that Ava's been messing with my head, and she's right there, like, hugging him. Like, And I love that when Julia has these scenes uh, with Barbie where she's in a lot of pain because she knows it's not real Barbie, these things that he says, she's crying. 
Like, as she's talk, listening to him on the walkie-talkie, she's crying. Because she knows that she's lost the love of her life, and he's still alive. And it's really hard. Like, And this is hard to watch, too, because we know we know that even though it's only been three weeks under the dome, we know that their love is real. And we know that, look, yes, it's three weeks under the dome, but that has to mean a lot more in the real world. Because it's heightened circumstances, and it's life or death, and yeah. they're, you know, they love each other, and then... Their love is going through this crazy test, and what's going to happen? We don't know. So, we do know. I don't know. I, um, I'm i still a little nervous about this bug. I'm sorry. It's um, fine. Okay. But it's, it's so hard to watch because it's so hard to watch because you get this feeling that you don't... We, you run this line where you don't want Julia to seem like... Uh, like like in Wayne's World, Wayne's ex-girlfriend, where it's just like too Hi, much. Wayne. Hi, Wayne. I got it's you a gun rack. Stacy's psycho host beast. <laughs> like, there is some point when we're watching this, I was like, please don't turn Julia into uh, Wayne's ex-girlfriend. That would be terrible. He's like, I don't even own a gun. Let, Let alone, alone many guns, guns that, that would necessitate an entire rack. rack. <laughs> yes! <laughs> My favorite movie. Okay. And that um, line is so good. I love Mike Myers. Uh, for, for the younger generation, if you've not seen Wayne's World, uh, Do it. it is epic. It's from it's the 90s, really so to you it probably feels like 100 years ago. But, but still, it's cool. Watch. Um, Maybe it's on Netflix. <laughs> Maybe it is I on don't Netflix. Know. I don't have Netflix because I'm an old lady. Um, I have cable. So, no, I have direct TV. I can't talk. This bug so is in my head. This, you fine. run this line between making Julia. You run this line between making Julia into uh, a sappy ex girlfriend, like, sappy ex girlfriend bordering on like creepy. Where we, as an audience, really do feel she's right. We're like, we know they're in love. We know she's right. We know he's been taken over. But there, there are some things he says that are just so cruel and so hard hitting and so like in your face that it's hard to be like, ooh, oh, maybe he, not. He even says. I don't love you anymore, Julia. Right. But, like, when he said that, and... So, okay, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Big Jim and Julia managed to tackle Barbie and get him into their clutches in the log cabin. Right. Then there's this big confrontation, and they're thinking, maybe it's not just emotion that we have to connect to to get him to come back as his real self. Maybe we have to inflict some kind of pain. Physical pain. Physical pain. Yeah, so we can feel something. Unfortunately, we have to, you know, knock him around a little bit to get him to come to his senses. So as they are interrogating him together, he's even, like, maniacal, like, laughing. Totally maniacal. Laughing, hysterical, like, I can't believe you guys are working together, like... But I mean, and he's pulling up things that we criticized. Uh, we criticized their relationship for too, which are like, um, oh, you, I killed your, um, I, I killed your husband in here, and in the, they're in the very room where he killed her husband, and then he's like, then you just dated me right after, and we're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that seems legit, and and Julia's doing that. She brought him to that place, to that room. To try and get that emotional pain to come out. Right. So they're, not only have they knocked him around, like pistol whipped him around, they have found a car battery and they're just... They're, yeah, they're <laughs> zapping him <laughs> with train noises, as Amanda pointed out. That was cool. Because I've noticed in great, like, scary shows and movies, they will use sounds that 
kind of terrify you that aren't related to what's happening. Like a lion roaring when they're, when someone's just like, you know, in a, in a big city. Mm-hmm. But it's creepy and they're in like in a dark right. alley and there's a lion roaring. So when they were like giving him the vaults, mm-hmm. the, uh, the power to like shock him, it was this like distant train uh, whistle. Mm-hmm. And it was so creepy, but great. Like, I love that. So it was really, I good mean, job, sound editor. You know what's also interesting is if Amanda hadn't pointed that out, I wouldn't have noticed it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's that level of uh, subtle, but but shocking to make you go, ooh, that's creepy. <sighs> but you don't, your mind usually doesn't pinpoint what that is. And it's crazy that that sound is scary to us because that's just like a train warning you that it's coming. Right. But I remember being a kid and going to sleep at night and hearing this like really far off in the distance train whistle. And I was so scared. I'm like safe in my bedroom, but I was so scared. I think a lot of people felt that way with that sound. I think also when you're not expecting noises, they're scary. Yeah. And yeah. so it, it could just be like if you're trying to go to bed and you're not expecting that noise, yeah. I could see a giant train noise being scary versus I if mean, you're was, in a car waiting at the train stop, was like that's not going to be scary. far away. We didn't right. live near it, but like I guess close enough to hear it. Yeah. So... Anyway, um... So they have, and then in the, in the writing here, they have enough, like, banter and pain and, like, real painful moments that build you up, and they don't, they don't give in easily in this episode. I mean, they do give in to what we want in the end of the episode, but they don't give in in a point where I thought Old Under the Dome, season two Under the Dome, would have said, okay, Julia zapped him a few times, now let them kiss. They didn't do that. Yeah, it was much... They had to. The characters had to earn what they wanted. Yes, and that That's was the word I'm such a for. big payoff as yes. a viewer to see that happen. And Julia even consider killing him. Like she, a couple different times in the episode, considered killing Barbie. Right, and because she was afraid for her own life, so it would have been an act of self defense. But at the same time, she thought, you know, even even when it came to that, she. She didn't do it. And she protected Big Jim. Like, or she protected Barbie from getting killed by Big Jim. And she was like, that's enough. I know we're trying to do this together, but this is too much. And and she, she at first, tells Big Jim that they're going to try this tactic of getting him t- to come out of a shell with mm-hmm. the physical pain and the emotional pain. And that if it doesn't work, then plan B, he can kill him. Right. But and it's then like, Big no, Jim, no, no, not so fast. Big Jim tells Julia that Indy... He's going to leave Indy with her, and Indy will indicate, um, Indy will indicate, 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 um, whether or not he is a hive mind or not, or part of the kinship or not, because animals have a sixth sense, and they can tell those sorts of things. I'm looking out for you. I'm looking out for you. For sure, I promise. I won't let you down. So... Indy's looking out for them. Indy, she walks away because she's kind of like half giving up. Indy pitches a fit and then goes after Big Jim. Or goes after Big Jim. Oh, I'm so sorry. Barbie. Goes after Barbie. (coughs) And Julia comes back in. And then there's this huge fight. And Indy protects her. And they run out into the woods. And then we have this whole like chase gun scene in the woods. And she's about to shoot him, and this actual this moment reminds me of. I know fans hate it when I mention Buffy, but it is one of the greatest shows that was ever on television. Season, I didn't watch it. I wish I did. Season two of Buffy. In the end, uh, Buffy has to stab 
uh, her lover. She basically has to stab him. She has to kill him. This reminds me of that moment where you're like, I've reached that moment where this person has gone bad and I don't know what else to do and I guess I might have to kill you. You're still staring at the same face. Right, but but it's not the same person. They've done a complete 180 in their personality. Right. So she gets to the point where uh, she's going to kill him, but she can't do it. He flips the gun on her. And he comes right up in her face and says, do it. Just do it, Julia. Kill me, Julia. And she can't. And, And he turns it right. He grabs her neck. Which, again, has happened a lot in this season with killing people. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed? A through line with necks. Anyway, that's got to mean something. I'm like, subconsciously, I'm like, yeah. well, let me just check myself. Why do we do that? It's a, it's an instinct. And then she kisses him. Yeah. He grabs her and he has the gun right in her face. And she's like, Dale Barbara, I love you. I think that's what she says. And then she just kisses him. And then at first... It takes him a second. It, like, jars him, and he's like, I don't know what just happened, and then she does it again. And then, no, and then he kisses her back. He kisses her back. back. Oh, yes. And this moment reminded me of kind of a once upon a time Disney moment where where you can have all the fighting and all of the, all of the conflict that you want, but... Um, that kind of storyline that if this person is your true love... What whatever obstacle you can overcome, you'll overcome. So they had what I like to call the Disney True Love's Kiss. Oh, and True Love's Kiss. Yeah. Kind of like Sleeping Beauty and he wakes her up. It's like yeah. she woke him up. Yeah, this is the Disney True Love's oh, Kiss. Oh my god. I just, I love this episode so much and I was crying at the end. I was, at first when he was denying his love for her and still not coming out as the real Barbie, I was so concerned and when he said he didn't love her, I was actually like, I literally said to you, my heart is broken. It's because they have such good chemistry together as as an on-screen couple that to hear that happen, you're like, you're punching me in the face. Yeah. And then, and then to see them together again, it made me cry. I know. Tears of happiness. I don't know how you all feel out there. I'm so excited to go on Twitter and talk about it because... I mean, this couple means a lot to me out of any TV couple that I've ever seen in my life. And I know that might sound very extreme and dramatic, but guess what? That's what this show is all about. They have a lot of good chemistry. There's no denying it. The only other problem is now we have... uh, So that was tied up. We know that Barbie's probably going to go for our heroes team right now. Renegades or whatever they're called. Renegade team. But the only other loose end is a big one. Is that just as Big Jim and Nori and um, Sam has kidnapped Joe by pretending to infiltrate the group. So Big Jim and uh, Hunter and Nori decide, okay, we got to go after, we got to go after Joe because Sam's taken him only to realize that they've been surrounded by the kinship. So we leave off at that moment where it's like, What's going to happen to Joe? What's going to happen to our heroes? We know these people burn down houses. They will stop at nothing. They will stop at nothing. They'll just listen to whatever Christine says. But however, I noticed as we were discussing this episode tonight, they've set it up to be a parallel for Barbie and Julia. Joe Now Joe's in trouble Mm -hmm. and Nori's going to go after him. That's true. And Nori is not afraid to kick someone in the nuts for him. And I feel like the whole time they've been sort of paralleling Julia and Nori. That they're yeah, it's characters. our young couple and our old couple and two redheads and two blondies. But uh, we're running out of time, so let's go into predictions. 
Oh, I guess I kind of started it early. <laughs> you did. Now, you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. All right. So, I always like to listen to that sound. <laughs> it goes with Under the Dome, doesn't it? Okay, so, that I think we're going to have some more characters trick us with will they, won't they, are they on the good side or the dark side. And I don't know who's going to be next, but I just... I'm really excited that Barbie is back on the good team, the human team. Um, but now it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to find out what will happen with the dome calcifying. Mm-hmm. Is that a threat really? Or is it just a or threat to Christine and the kitchen? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Is it, like, do we really need to worry about that happening? And what is this schematic going to do? The the questions Is I it good or bad yeah and the other questions I have are about Acteon like where does Acteon fit in we had that weird scene last week where Lily who looks like she's twelve but we'll move beyond that oh. um, <laughs> where Lily had to evacuate the room um, but we know that Hunter has a crush on her so she I'm should sorry, be sorry there's a, there's not a big scary bug crawling but it's a medium sized scary oh, bug oh that's the one you thought was dead excuse yeah. me while I kill it okay okay. <sighs> Kill the bug on air. That's all we have for today. <laughs> Do you have anything else, Amanda? Where can the people find you? I'm just well. I'm just excited for Nori to go on a uh, rescuing trek to rescue Joe, and I hope that they don't get to Joe with his mind. Oh, but he I can hope stay that the real either. Joe. That would drive me crazy. Anyway, you guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Runway Queen, and seriously, tweet me uh, anything about the show. I love to talk about it more when I don't have this like crazy bug in the room. Um, anyway, also, um, also, I really appreciate the comments on YouTube and iTunes. You know, keep that up. We love to hear from you, and uh, yeah, keep watching us. You can find me at 123jackieb.com, my website, as all my Twitter, Instagram information, whatnot. Um, you can also find me here on the Strain and Dominion after shows. Those shows are both kind of sci-fi-y, so you guys might like that. Thank you for listening. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.